If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. If you have the same vision as International Horse College, which is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses, and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people, then have a look at their website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Today's guest as a rider, evented to Three Star and rode to Grand Prix, I'd like to introduce Pollyanne Huntington. Pollyanne's also an eventing specialist coach and coach educator. She's an A-level judge, judge educator and mentor, and is also an FEI event four-star judge and technical delegate. And then in her spare time, she also does some breeding of her own horses. How are you today, Pollyanne? Great, thank you. The sun is shining and it's wonderful here in Perth, <laughs> Western Australia. Good to hear from you. All right, Pollyanne, we normally start off with a favourite quote, which could be something that you often say when you're teaching or it could be something that's inspired you. Do you want to tell us a bit about it? Well, the quote is, less is more. This has come from Edgar Lichtbach, who came over to Western Australia from 1988 until 2005. He was born and educated in Germany to a high level and lived in Sydney and was just brilliant. One of the most inspirational coaches I've ever come across. Mm, I know. He certainly was brilliant. It's great to have his memory living on with some of the quotes that he said. Now, just tell us a bit more. When did he say to you, less is more? And then when have you used it on the riders that you coach? Probably... Every time he came over, which I used to bring him over about six times a year, Mm -hmm. and I will often say to my riders nowadays when I'm training them and they're all getting anxious and wanting to push harder and work harder, and I will often use it. Okay, good, good. Holly, and tell us a bit about your first memories with horses. Well, I grew up on the Welsh hills, My first pony was called Honey, and I was given him by my godmother when I was about two, (laughs) and he was two, and he was a Welsh pony with black points and four white socks. And he was called Honey because that was what my diet was, and he was the colour of honey. I might add he was very naughty. Although we grew up together, we had a very good career together. But Mummy took me to a show on the leading rein once and I fell off five times because he was so spooky. Okay. I was going to ask how, how it ended up with, you know, like a two-year-old and a two-year-old pony. It's not ideal, but it sounds like you had, was your mother, did she have horses? I mean, who, who sort of did the education? My mother is, was, or and is still a real horseman. Mm-hmm. And even for her time I would say she was ahead of her time she had a very good feel and was very well educated and in fact she bred from one mare horses I think there were five horses that did badminton and burley and represented the UK in the 1970s who were medal winners 
Oh, that's great. They were sold to Bertie Hill, and my sister and I rode a couple of them, mainly because I was a bit young. Mm-hmm. But they were just brilliant horses, real badminton, galloping, scopy horses. Okay. And, and I'm sure that when you're thinking of your mother and careers with horses, there probably wasn't the opportunities there are now. But what made you decide then from, you know, riding your first ponies and riding horses that your mother bred to go on and become a coach and start to do things professionally? I... I'm lucky enough to have been with some very, very good people with mainly through mummy and the growing up. And she was our driver. She drove both my sister and I, but Jolly was, or Jolly is still, uh, but she did badminton a number of times and very, very successfully. Mm-hmm. I was sent to Bertie Hill, who trained the British team to, at the Mexico Olympics because my family knew Bertie Hill. He was a coach, a very successful coach, and I would say they had a great influence on my future. Dick Stilwell, Mm -hmm. I was head girl for him and went to Russia as Richard Mead's groom looking after Wayfarer in 1973. I tried not to ride for a while because I had some quite bad falls and hurt my back. But then I went, I always say that Lady Hugh summoned me, Lady Hugh Russell, who ran Wiley International Horse Trials in the 1970s. And I went back to Austria. And then from Austria, I met someone who sent me to Herr Wahl and Stuckelberger. Mm-hmm. And with the, at the Stuckelbergers, the Rubens, Hans and Susanna Ruben came there for lessons. And they offered me a job, and I went back there with a horse for three months and stayed for five years. Okay. You certainly had some good influences, yeah. And then I came to Australia and married the first person I met. (laughs) Okay. Yes, and that's really when I became a coach. Okay, okay. So certainly lucky to have you over here. What about people who say that they want to have a career with horses? What sort of core skills or character traits do you think they should have? Well, I don't encourage it. I seriously, but having raised two boys, we both said that they had to go or have some sort of piece of paper so that they had a proper education and could earn a proper living. I think it's very, very hard here in Australia. It's much easier over in Europe because it's numbers or even in the US because it's numbers, the population and the training and the coaching to become a a, Berita and the sort of organization, it's not so much that it's better, but because of the population, it's very hard here to, in Australia to make a living unless you're a racehorse trainer or a stud. But as a coach, I think you need to be good enough to go overseas to train and do some coaching overseas. Mm, it's always interesting hearing from different people because, you know, I talk to a lot and some people have taken a gap year, say, and then they never went yeah. back. You know, they just said, right, well, I'm going to have a gap year before I go to uni and then they never go back or else they go to uni and then decide to work with horses. Sometimes it's, yeah, yeah I suppose it's always a personal choice, isn't it? You know, sometimes people do it yeah. for, for the lifestyle. or mm. Well, I am involved with horses because I love being with horses mm, effectively mm, and it's yep. my biggest thing interestingly enough when I, I was at school my head of phys ed teacher wanted me to go to Bedford College and become a phys ed teacher 
and I should have done it because I am a teacher. Mm. Just because I teach writing, I'm a teacher. Does that make sense? And yeah, I think for sure. Yep. That if you're educated and you become a writing coach, those sort of policies and procedures and ideas, you know, you are naturally talented and or a gifted coach. They all work together, don't they? Especially in this modern day and age. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, I think that the opportunities for coaches professionally are opening up certainly more and more yeah. as time progresses. And, and people are looking for coaches who are qualified, who are good, and yes. often often people who've got a complementary skill as well. You know, they've got to, yeah. got to be qualified as a coach, qualified as an instructor, but sometimes yeah. have complementary skills. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely, because there is so much pressure and so many other things that you have to think about now, which when I started coaching in 1986, I used to coach what I saw and felt and through my knowledge, but Mm. now we have to do all this paperwork and, you know, working on safety and risk management and all that type of thing. We never thought about those things in those days. Mm. Mm. Okay, now you've talked about people who've influenced you you know, within your career to get started. And you've talked about, honey, your two-year-old Welsh pony that you started with. What other horses do you think have influenced you along your, in your journey? Um, well, I had a very, very good 14-2 pony. Trace Star, her name was. Mummy was given her as a broodmare. And because I was away at school, if the broodmares weren't in foals, she was actually an ex-race horse and mm-hmm. a chestnut mare. And mummy got her ready for me and I evented her and, and did area trials and went to Pony Cup Championships with her. Okay. And that's probably what got me used to riding lots of different horses. And the next one was she had a thoroughbred horse called Bunch. He was, called, he was by Tetrarch. Mm-hmm. And mummy had educated him. He was beautifully educated in the dressage and he used to jump quite well. And he went, I took him to Pony Club Championships. And then alongside him, I had a young horse that mummy had bred called Shamos, which I evented until she, she actually ended up with brucellosis and died. And I think that actually put me off a little bit the commitment of producing horses because of the terrible disappointment of losing a horse. She just got sick. Mm, mm. And... She was a highlight. We were 48th after the dressage at Tidworth. It's what you used to do in those days. I produced her and was riding her novice, and then Tidworth was two-star, and Mummy felt that we, I should do a two-star so that I knew how, to, how big the jumps were, and she was amazing. And we had to do a steeplechase, and the steeplechase fences were absolutely massive, and Bertie just used to make sure that we just kicked. We clambered all over the open ditch and afterwards I had blood everywhere. I didn't fall off. She Mm -hmm. never fell. Mm -hmm. Then we went like the clappers around the cross country because no one expected us to get around the cross country because she was a bit ditch shy. Mm -hmm. And the third, fourth and fifth fence were massive, great big Wiltshire ditches. And she ended up second after the cross country. She was just amazing. And I just remember saying to mummy that the course was so big that could she jump on top and jump off or did she think we could jump them? But obviously, (laughs) that's what you did. Then I basically um, took time off and then I went to Europe and took my own horse with me. 
Okay, okay. So going around and coming second then after your 48th after the dressage and clambering through the ditch, do you think that was your proudest moment or do you have another? Well, I used to fall off quite a lot, actually. So that was one of the moments that stuck most in my mind. Mm -hmm. I've had some other good ones, but I just remember us talking to each other because we had achieved what I thought was unachievable. But Mummy always had faith, and the horses were very, very good horses, the big, strong, scopey horses that people need to be do the big competition. Yep, yep. In that time, what do you think your biggest challenge has been? In that time or mm. now? Well, I think right through, you know, thinking about the whole time you've been with horses. You know, you've achieved quite a lot. You're an FEO, you know, the, recognised internationally now. And you travel a bit. So what do you think your biggest challenge has been right up until this time? Probably financial Mm -hmm. has been the biggest thing because I've always had to work. I did not have the luxury of having horses expensive or horses bought for me. I was always a working pupil, so I had to work for my lessons. And sometimes I think that um, I was probably a bit of a slow learner and didn't always appreciate what I had but uh, that comes with maturity doesn't it oh for sure yep yep you know I've been very very lucky and when I think back about the people who I've worked for for uh, for instance the Rubens who live in Arkham who I went for three months and stayed for five years I go back he's now 86 the children are in their 40s and they've got grandchildren they have a big yard outside Arken in Verzalen, and I was there. I try to go back as often as I can, and I would generally ride. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually going to a FEI course in Baranoff in January, and I'm going to spend three or four days with the Rubens, and hopefully we'll ride. And sitting with him, mm-hmm. you know, you sit with them and you just, Learn by osmosis. Yes. And I think that's what a lot lot of young people need to be able to be a little bit patient Mm. to be able to, what I call, learn by osmosis. Edgar always actually used to say about learning by osmosis. Mm. Mm. I think that's a benefit of being a working student, isn't it, is being there working, being in the atmosphere. You can go along and work out how much it's going to cost to be in a job and then pay for your lessons and pay for your horse and everything else or how much yeah. is going to how much you're going to learn as a working student and i think if you're a working student in the right place it's got to be in the right place in the right situation yeah, yeah i think it can be very beneficial but i don't think people always it's not always sometimes until afterwards do you realize how much you've learned yes yes i think so yes all the little and, things as you say all yeah, the little things absolutely. that you learn on a day-to-day basis while you're working, you know, so you're working, working around the horses and someone who's far more experienced will just go past and have an offhand comment and you don't get it until a little bit later on. Yes, Mm. and he would make me come into the ride, hello, uh, indoor riding arena. Yep. And I used to have to sit there and watch Mm. And if he was riding, I used to have to sit and watch. Mm -hmm. And I think that's most likely why I'm pretty good at the flying changes, knowing them and recognising and recognising the quality. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. he was riding Grand Prix at the time. 
And the hours I used to spend, not only riding the changes, but watching him riding the changes and him asking me. And that was before they were starting to use videos a little bit, mm. but we didn't use them very much. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think the videos and technology has certainly helped us come along yes. a lot further. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, Polly, in, in the time, because you do a lot of judging as well, what do you think is a common fault that you often see with riders and also talk about how how it can be corrected? I think the riders are always in too much of a hurry and they're not prepared to establish the bases. And the European horses are always ridden very, very through and over the back and loose, active or uphill, good cadence, good elastic rhythmical steps. And the riders these days are in too much of a hurry to get to where they want to go and they don't give them time to establish. Because they always used to say it takes 18 months at least to establish an elementary horse. And if you do that groundwork and you look at the good people these days, they do the groundwork and they take the time. And the horses get strong enough. The horses themselves get secure in their development. The riders get secure and they learn to develop a feel. And if they do that on the flat, that goes into the jumping as well. The balance, the strength, they can carry themselves, they can last longer, they're sounder because everybody gives them time. Everybody's in too much of a hurry these days. Oh, just let me interrupt you for a moment, just to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at Online Horse College. Have a look at the flexible options with online theory. The practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. So because everyone's in so much of a hurry, is it because they don't know the quality that they're looking for? What do you think is the reason? Do you think they just see other people and want to get there quicker? Do they not understand? or Why, why do you think people are in such a hurry? I am quite sure because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. They yep. see the big picture. Yep. They see where they want to go. They think it's quite easy because of lack of competition. Mm-hmm. And I think their coaches might be trying to slow them down, but I think they're always in a hurry, the riders. Yep. Everybody's in a hurry these days. Yes. Yes, especially if you get good juniors and young riders or they all think that I'm a junior this year, a young rider next year, I'm riding three-star the year after, four-star the year after. Thank goodness that the FEI has made the qualifications much tougher mm-hmm. because people need to look at their results and tick a box and not just go on minimum results. Sort of, Mummy always used to say, right, if you win three competitions with no jumping, you could move up to the next level. But, you know, that's quite hard to win Mm. three with no jumping and no time Mm. and show jumping. That's tougher than the FEI MERs. And that was in England. Mm. Mm. So you're not just saying go round three times with no jumping, no time, but to actually be winning the three. Oh, absolutely. To win. Then you've got to to be looking at quality then. Yes, very much so. And the other thing is that I always say that the riders should be spending at least a year at every level mm-hmm. or a year and a half, which people, are, you know, they get nervous because they 
they're worried about running their horses too many times. Mm. Whereas they need the, you know, their two sides. They're worried about running their horses too many times because of their competition and the soundness and running their legs, the running off the legs. Mm, mm. But they need the competitions to get the mileage. Yes, yes, for the confidence of the horses, but also too if the riders yeah. haven't had the mileage. Yeah. You know, that's the, exactly what yeah, I mean. It's yeah, the, more yeah. the riders actually than the horses. Horses mm. seem to be quite long suffering sometimes. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, Polly Ann, do you have a book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Das Dressurfeld from Harry Bolt. Okay. It's now produced in English. It was produced when I was in Germany, so that must have been around 81, 82. It has the most wonderful photography, all done by Harry, of a walk, trot, canter, lateral work, flying changes, all the moments. Mm -hmm. And if anyone ever wanted to break down a movement and see the movement, they're so clear. So well done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. All right, Polly Ann, what are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? (laughs) Well, I go to... England in a couple of weeks, yep. which will be freezing cold, but I'm looking forward to seeing family and friends. I'm looking forward to catching up with all the other FEI judges in Borondorf. Mm-hmm. And this year, well, I just hope everyone stays safe and well and that some, we see some more good competition, Yep. especially yep. in the eventing. That's where my heart lies, really. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully you'll go on and do some more work as an FEI judge and technical delegate and uh, also be doing more work, you know, nationally as well to keep the sport going. Yes. And, um, yeah, it's going in good hands if you've got something to do with it. Thank you. Um, Polly Ann, summing up your philosophy, how would you do that? It's improving as I get older. Okay. I just wish that what, and it's always the same, isn't it? If I knew then what I knew now, but that doesn't matter. You know, you've just, I appreciate the horses that I've had, what they've done for me. They've given me a very good lifestyle. They've taken me all over the world and I've met some fantastic people, riders, coaches, some lovely horses, judges. And I'm very lucky to be married and living in Western Australia and to have two fantastic children, boys, that are grown up. So I've been very lucky. Okay. Okay. Now, if people want to contact you, Polly Ann, how can they do that? I've got a Delamere Park Facebook page, but I'm absolutely hopeless. So it's probably best through my email or by calling me. Okay. Okay. And we can put those contact details on your page, which That'll be uh, horsechats.com slash Pollyanne Huntington. Yes, yep. yep. And that'll have that uh, directly. Just, it's, I do have a Facebook page, but <laughs> I'm apparently hopeless. <laughs> Modern technology passes me by sometimes. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for, again, for Pollyanne, for talking to us. Yeah, looking forward to catching up with you again sometime soon. And uh, just want to say goodbye and thank you from everyone at Horse Chats. It's been a pleasure and I wish everybody luck and all the best for 2018. Thank you. Hopefully I'll see a few people around and I'll be judging them. Yep. Poor things. (laughs) I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. 
If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.